Welcome to Trifecta Now, Living A Course in Miracles. This is season five, and it's called The Book Club. Chapter five and six. We're starting six today. Welcome back. It has been yet another whirlwind year with so many things becoming part of our normal. It seems that it does not matter where you live, we are all experiencing the same treatment and limitations. You must all know me well enough by now that you know I don't support anything that sells fear. Fear is our biggest issue these days. The Course says if you feel fear, love is not there. I have been remarkably busy lately. In 2019, I was planning to offer some courses based on the teachings of Course in Miracle. Then the world went sideways and yet we have yet to recover from that. So I decided it's time. It's time to get these classes moving. I finally put those classes together and I'm ready to go. In 2022, I will be offering a class a month for anyone interested in learning more specific teachings from A Course in Miracles. The first Trifecta Now Masterclass is called Overcoming Death. It will run on Thursday, a Thursday evening, and then again on a Saturday morning. There'll be approximately three hours in length. The Thursday evening one will be six till nine, and the Saturday morning will be 9.30 to 12.30. I'll run these each of these courses twice a month to accommodate people's schedule. Both dates will limit the number of participants to 12 people. I have my own Zoom account and will be facilitating them there. I like the idea of 12 people at a time because it allows interaction and questions. Overcoming Death has been designed to share the teachings of the course specifically to address death and grief. I'll give you the details during the next podcast on Sunday, December 19th. The first masterclass is planned for the third Thursday in January and then the last Saturday in January. I I hope to keep this format with all the classes, the third Thursday and the last Saturday of each month for every class. I'll tell you how to register next week, um, sorry, in two weeks. There is a cost for the master classes. The first master class will be $60 US. If there is a high registration number for any master classes, I will simply open them up to more days in each month. I'm extremely excited about this first master class. I have to tell you that the information flowed so easily from me onto the onto the into the computer and i was guided in each topic and every step along the way if you struggle with death or grief this is a class for you so let us begin chapter 5 we ended it um at time and eternity on page 86 chapter 5 is called healing and wholeness this week we'll cover time and eternity Again, that's page 86. The decision for God. Then we start chapter six. So chapter six starts after decision for God. And chapter six is called the lessons of love. I will cover the introduction, the message of the crucifixion, and the alternative to projection. Again, I'm only covering five sections at a time because I want to give everyone the time to process and to read them as well. Okay. Time and eternity. Time and eternity. Paragraph one, sentence three says this, delay does not matter in eternity, but it is tragic in time. You have elected to be in time rather than eternity and therefore believe you are in time. Yet your election is both free and alterable. You do not belong in time. 
Your place is only in eternity where God himself placed you forever. Paragraph two says, guilt feelings are the preserver of time. They induce fear of retaliation or abandonment and thus ensure that the future will be like the past. This is the ego's continuity. It gives the ego a false sense of security by believing that you cannot escape from it, but you can and must. Paragraph three near the bottom says, remember the kingdom always and remember that you who are part of the kingdom cannot be lost. The mind that was in me is in you. For God creates with perfect fairness. Let the Holy Spirit remind you always of his fairness. And let me teach you how to share it with your brothers. How else can the chance to claim it for yourself be given you? Question mark. Paragraph four on the next page, page 87 says, the ego speaks in judgment and the Holy Spirit reverses its decision, much as a higher court has the power to reverse a lower, lower court's decisions in this world. The ego's decision are always wrong because they are based on the error that they are made to uphold. Paragraph five, there are many examples of how the ego's interpretations are misleading, but a few will suffice to show how the Holy Spirit can reinterpret them in his own light. Paragraph six says, and I quote, as ye sow, so shall ye reap. He interprets it to mean what you consider worth cultivating, you will cultivate in yourself. Your judgment of what is worthy makes it worthy for you. Paragraph seven says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, is easily reinterpreted if you remember the that ideas increase only by being shared. The statement emphasizes that vengeance cannot be shared. Paragraph nine, the wicked shall perish becomes a statement of atonement if the word perish is understood to be undone. Every loveless thought must be undone, a word the ego cannot even understand. To the ego, to be undone means to be destroyed, and the ego will not be destroyed because it is part of your thought, but because it is uncreative and therefore unsharing, it'll be reinterpreted to release you from fear. Next page, page 88. Paragraph 10, sentence three says, there can be no case against a child of God and every witness to guilt in God's creations is being is bearing false witness to God himself. Sentence six says the case may be foolproof, but it is not God proof. The Holy Spirit will not hear it because he can only witness truly. His verdict will always be thine is the kingdom because he was given to you to remind you of what you are. Paragraph 11 says, when I said, I am, I am come as a light into the world. I meant that I came to share the light with you. Remember my reference to the ego's dark glass. And remember also that I said, do not look there. It is still true that where you look to find yourself is up to you. Your patience with your brother is your patience with yourself. Is not a child of God worth patience? And paragraph 12 says, now you must learn that only infinite patience produces immediate results. This is the way in which time is exchanged for eternity. Infinite patience calls upon infinite love. And by producing results now, it renders time unnecessary. We have repeatedly said that time is a learning device to be abolished when it is no longer useful. The Holy Spirit who speaks for God in time 
also knows that time is meaningless. So that section called time and eternity is just trying to give you the perspective that time and eternity are two totally separate things. Need a drink of water. Mm. And being so that the illusion of time, which is where we live in this world, we think that time is very important. We put time frames on everything. But in fact, God says in our world, eternity is the most important thing to understand that we are eternal beings, that there's no beginning and no ending, that we we go on forever. A lot of people have a hard time with that. That's where fear steps in. The next section called the decision for God at the bottom of page 88, paragraph one says this, do you really believe you can make a voice that can drown out God's question mark? Do you really believe you can devise a thought system that can separate you from him? Question mark. Do you really believe you can plan for your safety and joy better than he can? Question mark. You need be neither careful nor careless. You need merely cast your cares upon him because he careth for you. You are his care because he loves you. Now, a little bit further down the page, page uh, paragraph four says, Sentence two says, you have not been asked to work out the plan of salvation yourself because I told you before the remedy could not be of your making. God himself gave you the perfect correction for everything you made that is not in accord with his holy will. I am making his plan perfectly explicit to you and I will also tell you of your part in it and how urgent it is to fulfill it. Paragraph five says, whenever you are not wholly joyous, it is because you have reacted with a lack of love to one of God's creations. Next page, page 90. Oh, sorry, it continues on. Um, It cannot, so a sentence four in paragraph five says, it cannot be undone by repentance in the usual sense because this implies guilt. If you allow yourself to feel guilty, you will reinforce the error rather than allow it to be undone for you. Paragraph six, sentence three says, therefore, the first step in the undoing is to recognize that you actively decide it wrongly, but can as actively decide otherwise. Sentence six near the bottom says, say this to yourself as sincerely as you can, remembering that the Holy Spirit will respond fully to your slightest invitation. Say this, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I chose to let him by allowing him to decide for God for me. That's the, that's actually the end of chapter five. And that is the decision for God. Trying to reiterate the point that God is always with us, that it's only a choice. It's a choice to have him in our lives or not. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit will never lead us down the wrong path because the Holy Spirit responds to what God wants for us and God's will for us. So this this particular section just wants to remind, remind us that it's just merely a decision, a decision to make God a pinnacle and important part of our lives. Chapter six, the lessons of love. Introduction.
Paragraph one, I'm going to start with sentence three, says, anger cannot occur unless you believe that you have been attacked, that your attack is justified in return, and that you in no way, that you are no way responsible for it. Sentence six says, the way to undo an insane conclusion is to consider the sanity of the premise on which it rests. You cannot be attacked. Attacked has no justification, and you are responsible for what you believe. Paragraph two says, you have been asked to take me as your model for learning. Since an extreme example is a particularly helpful learning device, everyone teaches and teaches all the time. This is a responsibility you inevitably assume the moment you accept any premise at all, and no one can organize his life without some thought system. Once you have developed a thought system of any kind, you live by it and teach it. Your capacity for allegiance to a thought system may be misplaced, but is still a form of faith and can be redirected. So this introduction is just telling us that we have a choice. We choose what we want to believe. We choose who we want to follow. And at the end of the day, our thought system is based on what we think we want at any given time. And we can choose differently every single moment in time. The next section called the message of the crucifixion. I'm going to start paragraph one, sentence five, though. And sentence five says this. There is a positive reinterpretation. Sorry, there is a positive interpretation, not reinterpretation. There's a positive interpretation of the crucifixion that is wholly devoid of fear and therefore wholly benign in what it teaches. If it is properly understood. Next page, page 92. Paragraph two, sentence six says, I've also told you that the crucifixion was the last useless journey the sonship need take, and that it represents release from fear to anyone who understands it. Paragraph three says this, you have probably reached, sorry, you've probably reacted for years as if you've been crucified. This is a marked tendency of the separated, who always refuse to consider what they have done to themselves. Projection means anger, anger fosters assault, and assault promotes fear. The real meaning of the crucifixion lies in the apparent intensity of the assault of some of the sons of God upon another. This, of course, is impossible and must be fully understood as impossible. Otherwise, I cannot serve as a model for learning. Paragraph four says assault can ultimately be made only on the body. There is little doubt that one body can assault another and can even destroy it. Yet if destruction itself is impossible, anything that is destructible cannot be real. Its destruction therefore does not justify anger. To the extent to which you believe that it does, you are accepting false premises and teaching them to others. I'm going to stop right there. It's really interesting because paragraph three and four is just trying to simply tell us that Christ was never attacked. And to assume that he was attacked, even through a crucifixion, is to assume wrongly. Yes, his body was crucified. And yes, in our interpretation of of that, we would think it's attack. But what Christ is trying to tell us is that You can only attack my body. You never attacked my spirit and my soul, and that is who I truly am. I'm not a body. And he's tried to make that clear. Well, the book tries to make that clear, that none of us are bodies. Paragraph five, sentence two says, you are free to perceive yourself as persecuted if you choose. When you do choose to react that way, however, you might remember that I was persecuted as the world 
judges and did not share that evaluation for myself. So again, he's saying, you know what, based on our interpret this world interpretation, he, he was persecuted. He says, I wasn't. And because I did not share it, I did not strengthen it. And I therefore offered, next page, page at top of 93, a different interpretation of attack and one which I want to share with you. Paragraph six says, as I have said before, as you teach, so shall you learn. If you react as if you are persecuted, you are teaching persecution. This is not a lesson a son of God should want to teach if he is to realize his own salvation. Rather, teach your own perfect immunity, which is the truth in you, and realize it cannot be assailed. Do not try to protect it yourself, or you are believing that it is assailable, right? If you're trying to protect the body, if you're always trying to protect assault, then all you're saying is that the possibility of assault is there. If you are if you are not asked to be crucified, which was part of my own teaching contribution, you are merely asked to follow my example in the face of a much less extreme temptations to misperceive and not to accept them as false justifications for anger. Census 10 says, remember always that what you believe you will teach. Believe with me and we will become equal as teachers. Paragraph seven, your resurrection is your reawakening. I am the model for rebirth, but rebirth itself is merely the dawning of your mind of what is already in it. Waking up. Sentence six says, my brothers slept during the so-called agony in the garden, but I could not be angry with them because I knew I could not be abandoned. Paragraph eight says, I'm sorry when my brothers do not share my decision to hear only one voice because it weakens them as teachers and as learners. Yet I know they cannot really betray themselves or me and that it is still on them that I must build my church. There is no choice in this because only you can be the foundation of God's church. A church is where an altar is and the presence of the altar is what makes the church holy. A church that does not inspire love has a hidden altar that is not serving the purpose for which God intended it. I must follow his church on you. Sorry, I must found his church on you because those who accept me as a model are literally my disciples. Disciples are followers. And if the model that they follow has chosen to save them pain in all respects, they are other, they are unwise not to follow him. Page 94, paragraph 11 says, you are not persecuted, nor was I. You are not asked to repeat my experiences because the Holy Spirit whom we share makes this unnecessary. Sentence five says, my one lesson, which I must teach as I learn it, is that no perception that is out of accord with the judgment of the Holy Spirit can be justified. And then paragraph 12 says, the crucifixion cannot be shared because it is a symbol of projection, but the resurrection is the symbol of sharing because of the reawakening of every son of God is necessary to enable the sonship to know its wholeness. Only this is knowledge. Paragraph 13 says, the message of the crucifixion is perfectly clear. Teach only love, for that is what you are. 
Paragraph 14 says, if you interpret the crucifixion in any other way, you are using it as a weapon for assault rather than as the call for peace for which it was intended. The apostles often misunderstood it, and for the same reason that anyone misunderstands it, their own imperfect love made them vulnerable to projection, and out of their own fear, they spoke of the wrath of God as his retaliatory weapon. Nor could they speak of the crucifixion entirely without anger because their sense of guilt had made them angry. See, the disciples felt guilty because they felt that they let Christ be crucified, that they, in fact, killed him. They didn't truly understand him, unfortunately, at that point. Uh, Page 95, the top of it, paragraph 15 says, these are some of the examples of upside down thinking in the New Testament. Sentence three says, this is clearly the opposite of everything I taught, nor could they have described my reactions to Judas as they did if they truly or really understood me. I could not have said, and this is quote, betrayeth thou the son of man with a kiss, question mark, unless I believed in betrayal. The whole message of the crucifixion was simply that I did not. The punishment, quote unquote, I was said to have called upon forth upon Judas was a similar mistake. Judas was a brother and a son of God as part of the sonship as myself. Was it likely that I would condemn him when I was ready to demonstrate that condemnation was impossible? Question mark. Hmm. Paragraph six, sentence two. I do not want you to follow any fears to enter into the thought system toward which I'm guiding you. I do not call for martyrs, but for teachers. No one is punished for sins, and the sons of God are not sinners. Any concept of punishment involves the projection of blame and reinforces the idea that blame is justified. The result is a lesson in blame, for all behavior teaches the beliefs that motivate it. Paragraph 17 says, I do not need gratitude, but you need to develop your weakened ability to be grateful or you cannot appreciate God. He does not need your appreciation, but you do. You cannot love what you do not appreciate, for fear makes appreciation impossible. When you are afraid of what you are, you do not appreciate it, and you will therefore reject it. As a result, you will teach rejection. Next page, page 96, paragraph 19. Remember, that the Holy Spirit is the communication link between God the Father and his separated sons. If you will listen to his voice, you will know that you cannot either hurt or be hurt, and that many need your blessing to help them hear this for themselves. When you perceive only this need in them and do not respond to any other, you will have learned of me and will be as eager to share your learning as I am. That is a big section. That is uh, the message of the crucifixion. Wow. It's a big message. I remember the first time I read this and said, whoa, this is a lot to take in as a Christian, growing up as a Christian, and then finding out that the crucifixion was never or should have never have been the focus. It should have been the resurrection. And that I remember the resurrection is not, I mean, it was glorious. It was wonderful. But I never remember it as being the big part of the Easter story. 
right? We went through the uh, Stations of the Cross and went through all the agony with Christ all the way up to his crucifixion and then his death. And at no point in time did religion explain that that was not necessary, that that was not the important message. The important message for us all was that we are eternal beings, that we have a resurrection coming. We are resurrected. You know, so death is not part of our existence. Okay, so the next and last section for this week is called The Alternative to Projection. On page 96, paragraph one, sentence two, the wholeness of God, which is his peace, cannot be appreciated except by a whole mind that recognize the, recognizes the wholeness of God's creation. By this recognition, it knows its creator. Exclusion and separation are synonymous as are separation and disassociation. Paragraph two, what you project, you disown and therefore do not believe is yours. You are excluding yourself by the very judgment that you are different from the one on whom you project. Paragraph three, yet projection will always hurt you. It reinforces your belief in your own split mind and its only purpose is to keep the separation going. It is solely a device of the ego to make you feel different from your brothers and separate it from them. The ego justifies this on the grounds that it makes you seem better than they are, thus obscuring your equality with them still further. Next page, page 97, paragraph five says, the Holy Spirit begins by perceiving you as perfect, knowing this perfection is shared. He recognizes it in others, thus strengthening it in both. Instead of anger, this arouses love for both because it establishes inclusion. Sentence six says, to perceive yourself this way is the only way in which you can find happiness in this world. That is because it is the acknowledgement that you are not in this world, for the world is unhappy. Paragraph six, how else can you find joy in a joyless place except by realizing that you are not there? You cannot be anywhere God did not put you, and God created you as part of him. That is both where you are and what you are. It is completely unalterable. It is total inclusion. You cannot change it now or ever. It is forever true. It is not a belief, but a fact. Anything that God created is as true as he is. Its truth lies only in its perfect inclusion, in him who alone is perfect. To deny this is to deny yourself and him, since it is impossible to accept one without the other. Paragraph seven, sentence two says, the ego's perception has no counterpart in God, but the Holy Spirit remains the bridge between perception and knowledge, but by enabling you to use perception in a way that reflects knowledge, you will ultimately remember it. The ego would prefer to believe that this memory is impossible. Yet it is your perception and the Holy Spirit guides. It is, sorry, yet it is your perception, the Holy Spirit guides. Your perception will end where it began. Everything meets in God because everything was created by him and in him. Paragraph eight, sentence three, the Holy Spirit enables you to perceive this wholeness now.
next page. Paragraph 10, sentence one, says the Holy Spirit uses time but does not believe in it. Coming from God, he uses everything for good, but he does not believe in what is not true. Down at the bottom of 98, paragraph 12 says, the difference between the ego's projection and the Holy Spirit's extension is very simple. The ego projects to exclude and therefore to deceive. The Holy Spirit extends by recognizing himself in every mind and thus perceives them as one. uh, Same paragraph, next page, page 99. Sentence eight says, the great peace of the kingdom shines in your mind forever, but it must shine outward to make you aware of it. Paragraph 13, sentence three says, no darkness abides anywhere in the kingdom, but your part is only to allow no darkness to abide in your own mind. This alignment with light is unlimited because it is in alignment with the light of the world. Each of us is the light of the world. And by joining our minds in this light, we proclaim the kingdom of God together as and as one. Okay. So, this is an interesting section too. So alternative to projection. So this section is trying to make us make it really, really clear that it is a choice between ego and the Holy Spirit as our guides. So if we choose the ego, then we're going to choose anger and we're going to choose deception and we're going to choose all those this world emotions in order to function in this world. But we don't have to. And that's what this book's trying to tell us. The Holy Spirit can be our guide. The Holy Spirit, if we listen to him, will teach us that we don't need those things. That love and happiness and joy can also reside with us and we can choose it over the other if we so choose. But we can only do that in this moment and in the now. Okay, so I'll be uploading another episode in two weeks. We will begin on page 99 and we will go to the relinquishment of attack is the next section will be starting in chapter six. I'd like to say hello to all my friends around the world again. Oh, it's so awesome to sit back when I get a chance to look at the podcast numbers and to see where everybody's from. Um, not only cities and towns all over the world, but the countries. So I'd like to say hello to everyone by country now. Um, So those countries who are listening to my podcast are the United States of America. Hello, United States. Germany, Canada, uh, United Kingdom, Mexico, Australia, New Zealand, Australia. My heart's with you. You hang tight. Things will work out. Fear will win. Sorry, fear will not win. Love will win in the end. Hello to New Zealand, India, the Netherlands, the Virgin Islands of the United States, Costa Rica, Costa Rica, I hope to visit you one day, Uh, Italy and Guatemala. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening. I can be contacted by email at trifectanow3 at gmail.com. If you'd like to ask a question, share a comment, or just say hello. I'll give you more details about the masterclasses on the next podcast. I'll give you very much specifics on how to register and how to get more information about it. If you'd like, I'm trying to get going to try to give you as much information and the next beginning of the next podcast. So it's really easy to navigate. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Remember, keep sharing the love. This is our journey. 
let us together find our way. Live in this moment. It's the only one that truly matters. Always love, Denise.